welcome to the Open Government Podcast. I'm Richard Pietro. And I'm Samir Vasta. Each episode of the Open Government Podcast, we bring you an interview with someone working on open government and citizen engagement in their community. And today we have Brian Smith, who is a former advisor to Tony Clement, but he is now the CEO of Think Data Works, a Toronto-based open data startup that, aggregate, that aggregates information from all levels of government, allowing developers, businesses, and citizens to access high-value data in standard machine-readable formats. Now, Brian, that's a, that's a mouthful. But would, you, would it be fair to say that what you're trying to do is to create an open data portal for all, for all other open data portals? Uh, I mean, it's a great place to start. I think uh, one of the problems with accessing open data now is, uh, and we can all kind of see that it's sort of a wave that's starting to break. People are starting to uh, work with open data. Governments are starting to build it into their uh, policies and their, their decisions. And we're just getting a, a ton of data that's getting released all over the place uh, on government websites. I think one of the first barriers we need to break in order for this thing to actually start taking off is to create a single place where people who are interested in working with data can actually go and just find everything that's available. Uh, so whether whether you call it a portal um, for all portals, uh, I mean, what we really add is sort of... A, a, a portal to rule them all. A portal to rule them all, yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, what The one barrier that we are trying to knock down right away is just access. So on our list of things uh, to sort of uh, start connecting the developer community with the government sources is what data is out there, uh, where is it coming from, and let's put it in the hands of people who are going to start doing something with it. I think that's going to empower uh, governments to start releasing more data after they see what people are working uh, working with. And also, it's just going to start getting us the examples of what open data can be used for in order to move the movement forward, whether that's apps, visualizations, any of that sort of stuff. So step number one on our list is, yes, putting it in the hands of people who are going to start working with it, and then uh, increasing access and increasing the amount of data that actually gets put in the hands of these people as we uh, continue to move forward. So one of the things you, you mentioned in, in this kind of goal to increase access is the problem around how government is organized and how right now the way things are set up, we're expecting citizens and developers and whoever's going to use this data to understand how government is organized. And that's a problem because most people don't. What do you think it is about the kind of the way we organize government right now that makes it difficult? And outside of just the data realm, is there any things that we should be exploring around how we communicate about government and how communicate and how government communicates about itself so that it makes it easier for people to understand where it is and how it operates? Yeah, I mean, I think... Um... I think if you're inside government, it's extremely logical how government's organized. Um, there's always a reason why things are split up the way they are. Um, and if you're in the bubble, uh, it makes a lot of sense. And it's it's a really organized uh, hierarchical place to, to sort of be. Um, but like I, I love the quote from Obama when he says, it's hilarious that if you're looking for uh, salmon law, uh, you got to go to two different departments depending if it's freshwater or seawater salmon, uh, and that's that's like such a typical uh, government uh, joke to make about um, how departments split up their priorities. But I think that's like in hyperdrive when you start talking about data, um, things like geospatial data for the country that is dealing with uh, households or social development um, is that a natural resource. Uh, uh, 
data set that sort of manages our general ge geospatial? Is it human resources and skills development? Uh, is it citizenship and immigration? There's a lot of things that data sort of uh, hits on that isn't departmental as government has been organized in the past. Uh, so I think we need to, if we're, if we're starting to talk about data and how it's broken down, we actually have to sort of break down how uh, we used to, how government at least thinks about organization, because it's not, it's not split like that among the data that they're starting to release. And actually, Brian, this is a, a great place for me to continue, because you're talking about how government needs to find a new way to organize itself, and you want to help in that undertaking. Is that one of the, like, I'm curious to know, you had a very high-profile position, and you're a very young guy on top of it, but you had a very high-profile position with Tony Clement. Why did you choose to leave the public service? Did, did, you, were, did you not think you were able to do it from inside, that you had to step outside? Uh, no, I, uh, I had a great time in government. I, I'm also a, very, a really big fan of people who uh, dedicate their lives to delivering uh, public service. I think everyone in the organization in some sort of capacity is there for a reason, and it's to, it's to further the state of the country. Uh, but to be honest with you, I fell in love with open data. Um, it, was, it was probably 10% of my duty in Ottawa, and it started taking up uh, 100% of my free thought. And uh, when <laughs> things like that start happening, that's when you have to start making decisions on uh, what you want to do moving forward. So sort of the natural, um, the natural inefficiency I saw um, was different levels of government dealing with one another, not necessarily departments within a single government. So I'm talking about municipalities dealing with provinces and provinces dealing with the feds um, and coming to common solutions on how to fix problems. Uh, I think an example we see, one that makes a lot of sense, would be Service Canada and Service Ontario. Um, there's really no reason why we should have two different locations to deliver services to people in Ontario, but we do because that's two different levels of government and they haven't really figured out how to work together to deliver common services. Uh, with data, arguably to uh, most people, not as important as, you know, core government service delivery to its citizens, uh, I didn't see that problem getting fixed anytime soon. And I saw the open data movement moving quicker than uh, I believe the governments would have moved to fix the problem. And that's sort of where the opportunity came from. And given it was taking up all of my free thought anyways, uh, that's sort of why we founded uh, Think Data. That makes sense, actually. And, and you say you're a big fan of government, but you saw that problems weren't getting fixed quickly. And what I want to do is go back to a quote that, uh, that you gave that was in the Globe and Mail a couple of weeks ago, where you said that I don't think government should be the one to make these tools. If we relied on the old school way of government, it would be a five-year project that cost $5 million, and it probably wouldn't be used nearly as well. And in that, in that case, you were referring to, to apps and services like the transit apps and the, and the route planners and things like that. Can you expound on that a little bit and why why the old school way wasn't working and why, despite the fact of you being a big fan of government and you saw that these problems weren't getting fixed quickly enough? Yeah, I think um, I think government needs to adapt. And I think they're, they're adapting the way they deliver services. And I'm not sure that's necessarily building, uh, you know, an app shop into a, into a certain department to deliver, you know, a new style of service by downloading an app that's going to push you information and that sort of stuff. I think it's finding their role in the value chain as we move forward uh, in the development of how we deliver new services. So, uh, I mean, what could take a student or a, or a computer science major 
48 hours to put together uh, could take the government years. Uh, and it's not because uh, the people there aren't as smart as the, the student uh, studying computer science. It's the, the, the leaps and bounds they have to go through in order to get, uh, to get uh, approval to actually start doing things. Um, and I think there's a better, once we start releasing data and as data starts taking off, I think there's a natural place for government to sort of step back for a second and say, hold on, maybe it's our job to actually find the data, make it uh, really useful and just start making that public. We're the only ones who have access to it. Um, and if we take the resources we would have spent building an app that wouldn't probably uh, take off as much as if a, a, a private entity did it, and focused all those resources just on cleansing data, fixing it, and actually releasing really high-value stuff. Um, maybe that's our natural role when we can sit back and partner with these students or small businesses to start delivering these products and services that people are actually going to download. Um, so that's that's sort of what I'm talking about uh, when when I when I mention that quote is it's not necessarily completely changing the way. Um, governments organized or their roles or responsibilities. I think it's just identifying where in the value chain they sit and how we can best uh, work together to actually deliver the new style of, of how people are starting to digest uh, services or at least want to start digesting the services. So keeping with this idea, because you have a very unique perspective, right? Because you work with so many different jurisdictions. Are you seeing any kind of trends developing in either open data sets or how jurisdictions view and handle open data, or how jurisdictions are actually trying to change, like adopt this more iterative process or this more platform ideology for services. Are you finding those trends anywhere? The trends we are finding is we're finding, like, I would say 25 top data sets that everyone's starting to release. And that's sort of mm. like they're them dipping their toes in the water of open data. And this is good stuff. I mean, sometimes it's, it's, it's mostly like locations of schools, locations of hospitals, that sort of stuff, um, which is a good start. But at the same time, we need to start. Uh, the, the other trend I'm seeing is there's sort of once they release those data sets, now there's sort of a stop in the process that says, okay, let's see what people do with this stuff before we start dedicating more resources to releasing it. And I think that next tranche of data that we're going to get to is going to be the really, really high value stuff. Right now, they're sort of releasing the things they have already put together on their GIS portals and things like that, which is really great stuff, and they should absolutely keep releasing it because it is of high value. Um, but in order to get to that place where it's going to start providing services developed by citizens, I think that's like the next tranche of data we haven't quite got to yet. And it's really a chicken and egg. I mean, a lot of them don't want to release this data because they don't see anyone working with the data they're currently releasing. Um, yet people can't really develop apps that are useful because not, the data is not available yet. And everyone's sort of just waiting for the other one to move, uh, but no one's really made the move yet. Um, so I think it's going to take a few thought leaders within government to just start dumping this stuff out. And uh, a few app developers that are going to take on the challenge of starting with a single municipality or a single province developing an app and, and hoping that it takes off with a little bit of lobbying. But I think uh, that's sort of the trend I've seen is people are starting to throw data out there. 
but they're really uh, they're sort of waiting for for the big uh, the big app or or the big example of why open data is so is so valuable. So so before we wrap up, let's let's extrapolate on those trends and end with this. Let's pretend we're chatting five years from now, and Richard, that doesn't mean we're podcasting five years from now. <laughs> but, um, you know, and we're talking about the state of open data. Where do you see Think Data Works being? Where do you see government being? Where do you see citizens are, developers are, or even more likely, what do you hope to see? What I hope to see is the definition of open data expand outside of the public service. Um, I know there's a lot of people and a lot of uh, really smart people who want to define open data as uh, government data as in general. I think it's uh, the natural place where we have to go. Um, the data that governments collect belong to the people. They've, they use their dollars to mine it. And uh, technically, it's the people who create it. Um, so I believe wholeheartedly that open data needs to be a public, uh, a public service movement. We need to get that data out there. But I also want to see five years from now, uh, all of us sitting and having this chat about the private sector and how they're actually releasing data for social good, um, uh, as well as for their own economic means uh, in order to analyze big data that they otherwise would have just had sitting on a shelf uh, uh, being unanalyzed. And I think the shift uh, in the movement from starting with the public sector and moving into the private sector and into the personal data that uh, we're all collecting via our phones or, or our uh, Fitbits or anything like that. Once we start getting all of that data to open up, we're going to we're gonna just find these correlations uh, in data that we didn't even know existed. And that's really where this whole trend is going to start changing the way we act on a day-to-day basis. Um, so I sort of see it as right now, we're all soldiers in the trenches working with, uh, working with the public sector, releasing really good stuff. And we're really going to see the benefits of the work we're putting in today uh, once this once open data starts expanding beyond just public sector and into into data that people are collecting for themselves. And that's a great way to end things. Thank you, Brian, for being part of that conversation and and creating an entity like Think Data Works and making sure that uh, the public is well served. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, again, if uh, I mean, check out the website and if there's any data that anyone finds anywhere, uh, give us a give us a call. I mean, our whole we're doing our best to get everything into a common place so people can find it. Uh, But obviously, it's going to be tough to find it all. So any help we can get in the way of identifying and just making data more public and available, um, by all means, reach out. Thanks so much, Brian. That was Brian Smith from Toronto, Ontario on the Open Government Podcast. If you have any questions about today's episode, you can reach Brian on Twitter at Brian underscore ThinkData, and that's Brian with a Y underscore ThinkData, or through the website ThinkDataWorks.com. And, of course, you can always send us questions on our hashtag at OGTPod. Thanks again to Keith McDonald of Cheryl's Crush for the podcast music. So until next time, I am Richard Pietro. And I'm Samir Vasta, and thanks again for listening. We'll be back soon. Thank you.